Find your seat. All right, that last, that last round of, of um, announcements was just the beta version. I've got announcements 2.0 coming because, I missed, like I said, I missed a couple important, important things. Um, one of those things was that yesterday we had the women's tea, and um, it was great. Uh, this room was packed out, and so um, I've got some pictures here I want to show, and they lead into another announcement. So these are some things... Um, Julia played her harp, which is awesome. I didn't even know she had that. That's awesome, Julia. Uh, so lots of good food, of course. And I just want to tell you, thank you for leaving some of that in the fridge. I'll be eating off of this the next week. So this is great. Um, so good stuff, food fellowship, fun. Um, there was some worship time led by Carrie and Darlene. And um, and then there's sisters sharing in unity. And this, this is a women's tea. It's done annually. And there is, there's an auction. And they normally go to raise funds for um, uh, whatever need is come up. And the one that they rose funds for this year is what's called the Benevolence Fund. And uh, we, we highlight the Benevolence giving once a month, normally the first week, first Sunday of the month. And Benevolence simply means goodwill. And so this is a goodwill offering. And we, we don't talk about it a whole lot, but we get regularly throughout the week calls from people in the community that have, have needs. They can be all kinds of things, and um, we as a church want to be prepared um, as best we can to steward the resources God has given us and to share that with other people um, as we are led to do that. And so just within the last six months, it, because many of you don't know this, the last six months that benevolence has gone towards... Uh, things like oxygen for those that need oxygen, breathing apparatuses. Um, it's gone towards putting roofs, a roof on a home. It's gone towards a washing machine. It's gone towards a gas bill, groceries, gas for a car, um, heating bills, things like this. Uh, and so it's one of those things that we wish we could meet all of the needs. We can't, but we try our best under God's direction to to um, meet needs. We, we put money into it from our own personal budget as a church each month so that account doesn't ever go depleted, um, but we also ask once a month for you um, to, to give above and beyond your regular giving towards needs if, that are in the community. So um, anyway, that is what Benevolence Fund is, and the women in their tea yesterday raised $300 to go towards that fund, which is awesome. So, so, so that's good. That's good. Um, and I also, I don't know if you noticed this, but about, well, about two years ago, a year and a half ago, the, the, the membership at one of our members' meetings, uh, business meetings, voted to um, use some of the funds that we have in our general fund to do things around the church to kind of um, um, take care of some needs, some electrical updates, uh, some sound updates, some lighting, and one of the other things that um, was approved was $300 to do some things for stage dampening as well as stage decor. And uh, we, we just never got around to doing that. Well, now that we have an awesome worship intern, um, he got tired of hearing me complain about the frills on the carpet in the front of the stage um, falling off. And so he uh, came up with the idea to, to kind of put this, it's not just aesthetic, um, which is nice, but it actually has acoustic 
purposes. With, with That's why it's staggered the way it is. It helps muffle sound appropriately and those kind of things. So uh, Noah's not here. He's at his grandmother's funeral today. But I would just ask that you would you give him props when you see him next time and just tell him great job. Because uh, really his heart as our worship intern is he wants to do anything possible that he can do to enhance and not hinder our worship. And so um, this is one way that he had never done something like this before and he really did a great, I think he did a great job. Do you? Yeah, so great job. So, so his, his ears are burning right now. Okay, um, lots more. I, could, I actually have more here. Oh, yes, most importantly, Barbie, where are you? Did you leave? There she is, scripture reading. Most important part of our morning is scripture reading. And then, when I, earlier I was like, I know I forgot something. It was Barbie's scripture reading. So, Great job. Great job. All right. So this morning, Mark chapter 14, we're continuing to mark. It's coming to a close. It's, it's sad for me, maybe not for you, but it's going to be coming to close here as we come into the summer season. The title, as you see here, is Handling Hostility. And the big idea this morning is how, how we handle hostility will either help or hurt our ability to grow in Christ as well as to grow in our relationships with other people. So let's pray as you turn there and we'll get ourselves ready. Lord, we just um, uh, thank you for um, not leaving us without your word, um, without your spirit. And we pray for both of those things to drastically transform us this morning. And that we wouldn't um, just sit here, but we would listen to what you're saying and um, that your word would come alive to us. And, and I pray for every person that's in here. And, and Lord, I, I never know um, the, things, the things that bring people, but I know you do. And uh, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts and uh, that we would not leave here the same. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So stress... Stress strengthens. It's actually a physical fact that stress strengthens. It's also a spiritual truth. And as you look at this, um, if we are able to deal with opposition uh, God's way as God designed us in his word, then we will, we will grow. We will become stronger. Um, strange as it might sound, we as followers of Christ are called to embrace opposition embrace stress. James said it 
in this way, he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters. Whenever it is that you encounter trials of various kinds, consider it pure joy. And then he goes on to tell, to tell why. Consider it pure joy. It was uh, early in January this year that I came down with the shingles. And those of you who are regular know that because, because I missed a week of preaching and it was just a real fr- I mean, I grew up an active kid. I think I've broken both my legs, both my arms, one of my wrists, and all my fingers. And that's no big deal. Um, that's just part of being a boy. Now, shingles, on the other hand, um, completely sidelined me almost for five weeks. I, I really couldn't do anything. For two of those weeks, I couldn't even type an email without my eyes tearing up. And I know that makes me sound like a weenie, but it was frustrating and it was painful. Um, and, and so in the course of this time, since January, I pretty much stopped using my left arm almost completely, and I just avoided it. I, I couldn't do the really important things in life, like shoot my bow and things like that. Um, and it was really frustrating. Or ride a motorcycle. Those things were frustrating that I couldn't do those. Well, I decided if I'm going to get back into shape, I need to go see a physical therapist. And so for the first time in my life, uh, I succumbed, and I went to go see a physical therapist. Because on my own, I just tried to kind of rest and recover, but it wasn't recovering. And so when I went in to see the physical therapist, and she was great, she's down at Battleground Physical Therapy, and as I went in there, um, she, she said, not too condescendingly, although I think she wondered what I was doing, but she said, you've taken things far too easy on yourself. Um, you have not had enough opposition. Your muscle has not had enough opposition to it. And so what she did was she put me under this whole battery of now exercises, some stretching, some using this little tube, and some using little weights that I don't want anybody to see me use because they look too small. Um, But all of these exercises, and in just about three or four weeks, I've already seen a lot of growth in, in in this left arm. But, but the, the point there is that opposition really does help build strength. It helps build us up. It's a physical fact, but it is also an imperative truth we find within Scripture. Because how we handle hostility, it will either help us grow in Christ and in our relationships with others, or it will be detrimental. It will take us backward in our relationship with, with both. And we don't want that, of course, because what did Jesus say? The main thing. Take all of the, the Bible, it wraps it up into, into love God with everything you've got and to love others as yourself. And, and so that's this morning as we take a look. We're going to look at, if you notice both in your, if you've got a handout, you'll notice there's a key word. The key word's hostility. We're going to look at the nature of what hostility is and we're going to look at hostility can spread. And then most importantly, we're going to see how Jesus deals with the hostile situation in which he's at and, and how we can possibly learn from him, not only as the author, but the perfecter of our faith. So as you see up here on the screen, as well as in your bulletin, I want you, as we go to read this, place your mind in a dark, both atmospherically as well as spiritually, kind of a dark moment in history in the Garden of Gethsemane. Dr. Bob talked about it last week, and we come here and we, can, we continue on in this Gethsemane narrative here it says this verse 43 immediately while he was still speaking judas one of the 12 came up accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs who were from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders now he who was betraying him had given them a signal saying whomever i kiss he is the one seize him and lead him away under guard after coming judas immediately went to him saying rabbi and he kissed him 
They laid his hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures. And they all left him and fled. A young man was following, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body. And they seized him, but he pulled free from the linen sheet and he escaped. I'm not going to cover at the end uh, verses 50 and 51 and 52. So let me just kind of tell you um, that portion of scripture seems kind of funny to be put in there. But this is widely believed where it says... Um, a young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and then they seized him, but they pulled free the linen sheet, and he escaped naked. That is believed to be um, Mark, the John Mark, the writer of this book. And this is one place, and this is oftentimes the case as it is today. Famous writers will put themselves into a story in kind of a cameo role, a small role. It's believed that, that the Last Supper took place in the home of Mark, and he would have been a young man at the time and it's it's concluded that when Judas left the Passover meal to go get the the guards to seize Jesus um, Judas came back to the house and found that Jesus wasn't there it possibly would have woken this person Mark John Mark up from his sleep and he snuck behind and followed and to see what was going to happen. And that is one reason why we have some of the details that we have in this particular book. So that is, it's, it's widely believed that that's the case. We don't know that 100% sure, but it seems to make f- sense. So that's just a little bit of extra. Now let's get into our text as we talk about hostility. What's the true nature of, of hostility? What can we learn about what hostility really is? And we start with Judas. Now we spent two, or we spent a whole week just talking about Judas. I'm not going to spend a whole lot there, but his very name was, was synonymous with, with betrayal and truly he was bringing on a situation that was very hostile. Judas Iscariot, who had walked the, the lanes of Galilee with Jesus, and he had watched Jesus do awesome stuff. He'd watched Jesus heal people. Um, he had sat at his master's feet when Jesus called his followers to love their enemies as themselves. And now, for reasons that we know, because we have the rest of the story, we, we know that he's bent on destruction. It's primarily driven by his own, his own greed. Um, so um, he has this one thing and one purpose in his heart in Gethsemane, and that's to betray Christ and by doing so seek to destroy him. Um, now he led these temple guards to Jesus in a private place of prayer, which is just, it's just hard to even fathom or understand. Um, but as he does this, make no mistake, it's going to be used for, for God's goodness. Now, as we look here, and as if you've got notes, I want to just start off by defining what is, what is hostility. What does it simply mean? And in the simplest way possible, we can just say that it has the desire to destroy. That's really what hostility means, enmity. It's got this in it, a desire to destroy. When a person's heart becomes so consumed with something like, in, in Judas's case, money, or when it gets so consumed by something like bitterness or anger, it, it can come to the point where it turns into this hostile desire to destroy whoever might get in the way. Sometimes it's a, 
it's personal feelings that go so deep that they entrench themselves into a person and they have one focus and that one focus is just to like destroy somebody else. However, socially or physically, uh, who knows, spiritually, it can be all of these different things. But sometimes hostility becomes unreasoning and reckless and therefore it ultimately it ultimately becomes self-destructive and that's the first point here is that your hostility and i just i'm speaking straightforward to all of us your hostility my hostility really it destroys us it destroys you it destroys it destroys me remember what happened to judas shortly after this scenario judas he tried to destroy Jesus, but he himself, he was the one that ended up taking his own life. In Matthew 27, Judas says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, but they, the, the chief priests, they said, what is it to us? See, that you, you're, see to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary. He departed and he went away and he hanged himself. His his hostility ultimately ended up destroying him. And when we get totally focused on destroying somebody else, that energy that we are using, that energy ultimately gets turned upon us and it destroys, it destroys us. Question for each one of us is, have you ever felt hostility rising so much in your heart? Um, you decide maybe that you're going to remove someone from their job you determine that you would spread whispers to spear to gossip about someone's character. You get into a power struggle in a, in a committee meeting. You're in an ongoing argument with a neighbor or you're nursing a grudge within your own family. Uh, maybe you are disgusted by someone that has differing political views than you. Uh, maybe you're, you're disgusted by someone that holds different religious views than than you do or maybe and this is a big one in our culture today and we're up here out of the big city but it's real uh, and maybe it has to do with the difference of race the difference of gender um, and to you the only thing that is important is that you win I don't know if you've ever been in this place but you get in a situation where there's someone in your life and the, the main thing is that you that you win that you are able to crush your opponent and I don't know if you've ever felt that intense hostility. Note here in verses 34 and 35 with Judas. He says, actually, I'm going to read the first part. It says, immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, he came up accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs who were from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now he, was kissed. Now he who was betraying him had given them a signal. Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him, lead him away under guard. After coming, Judas immediately went to him saying, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And I, I want to say, in my experience, um, both personally as well as observation, some of us are really good at this. Like Judas, we can, we can be hostile in the sweetest way possible, with a kiss, with a hug, with a smile. Or we can justify our own hostility, calling it righteous anger. It's righteous that I'm anger at this person. And the reality is that our hostility that we have, and it may not come out physically like we're about to see with this, this character in our story, but it, it's most likely due to our own stubborn pride and arrogance of having to win, having to be right, having to be the one that, that wins the, the scenario. And I know this. I know this because I, I see it happen in churches. I know this because I, we have homes in which this kind of hostility is taking 
place in interpersonal relationships where where out and out hostility is constantly constantly present and and Judas here he wants to win at all costs I mean how else would you betray Jesus I don't know if you've felt that way in your own heart. Um, I know there's times where i felt that way, but be very careful. Be very careful if that is the case um, because it's not going to just destroy them or attempt to destroy them. It's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy you as well, and, and some of you have experienced this firsthand. One of the commentators said, hostility is more dangerous to the hater than it is to the hated. It's more destructive to be the schemer than it is to be the victim. What is hostility? It's not just hating others. It's really when we're hostile, we're showing a form of, of self-hatred. Now, um, what happens next in our story is when we begin to allow hostility to take place within our own heart. What happens is that um, our anger becomes to the point where it kind of gets out of it gets out of control. And not only does it eat at us, but it also spreads to others because hostility. We see it here. Hostility breeds hostility. It spreads, really it spreads like a, a wildfire without rhyme or reason. One person expresses hatred, suddenly without warning, war breaks out somewhere else. Mark 4, 14, 46, and 47, they laid hands on him, they seized him, but one of those who stood by and drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, and he cut off his, his ear. When I think of this situation, I think of hostility, breeding hostility. I think of welding. That's kind of my, my love. My, one of my joys is to weld. And before being here at the church, I, I worked in a welding shop. And I, one day I was sitting, I was sitting um, at my desk, and I have this window. And I noticed something out of my provisional, provi- that vision, out this way. And, and, and um, I look, and there's this huge fire in the shop. And so I go busting, <laughs> go busting out there, and um, Jose was, he was welding, and, and someone, he says it wasn't him, I think it was him, but someone brought packing material into his area and left it there, which is a huge, obviously a huge no-no. When you weld, what you're really doing when you weld is you, you're creating a hostile environment. It, in order to fuse two pieces of metal together, it has to be just wickedly hot, and pure and so you have gas and you have electricity and you have a wire that goes in and all these things kind of coming together create this very hot and hostile environment and and when you're doing that and when he's doing that he's he's welding this and it's throwing off slag and it's throwing off sparks all over the place and it's just part of that process you can't weld without that it's just kind of part of it because the impurities are burning out and it's all that stuff going on well, what's interesting here is I go running out there. This has been a few seconds, and it's there's this inferno right behind Jose, and he doesn't even realize it's there. It's behind him. He's just still welding away. He's got his helmet on and his stuff on. He's just doing his job. He's just doing his work. All the while, right behind him, um, we have huge tanks of oxygen in the, in, the, in the area and all of this other stuff. Bad things can happen at that point in time, and, and really that's what hostility is like. Hostility is like weld splatter. It it bounces up, and whenever it lands, it catches something else on fire. It burns something else. And and that's what we see here. That's what we see what's taking place in this this place. Um, Judas, he kisses Jesus. And someone, one of the Gospels later, tells us, we know it's Peter. Uh, Peter jumps out with his sword, and he whacks off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Um, This guy had done nothing other than just being a servant and doing what he's told to do. But, but hostility, it breeds more 
hostility because anger generates more anger because when we get caught up in an atmosphere that is out of our control, even our best intentions can get and become destructive. So um, I was born the year before, after, the year after Nixon um, ended his presidency. And I recently saw this movie called The Post. I didn't really know. He kind of was like this black spot in my history understanding. I didn't know Nixon was had this dark side. And uh, this show kind of revealed some of his, his dark side. And apparently Nixon, and I looked this up um, on the internet so I know it's true, and, and he, he created, uh, Nixon created the enemy list. And he had a list of his enemies that he felt were a threat to him. And so he had this kind of like this brute squad that had this list of names that they would go to, de- to defame or to undermine a person's credibility so that they couldn't be a threat towards, towards um, Nixon. And um, it's just, it's an interesting thing. But a hostile heart is, is truly a hostile heart. And this is what I want us to hear this morning. A hostile heart is very infectious. It is a very infectious thing. And it really draws people into its world. It draws people who would never otherwise think of such horrible stuff into horrible stuff, into horrible sin. And I've found, and I'm sure you have too, there are just people that are chronically unhappy in life. It's like that's their call in life. There there are those for whom nothing is ever good enough, nothing is ever quite right and they cannot be pleased i'm not talking about anybody in this room in particular just so you know that and so quit elbowing the one next to you Um, but the problem is the problem is that that chronically unhappy people they cannot be unhappy alone they just can't it just it's not part of the physics of this universe you can't be chronically unhappy and not try to drag other people in with them and what's interesting just since we're in church it's it's funny to me that a lot of times people can know the right doctrine they can know proper theology they can know truth but they also can be chronically unhappy and really that unhappiness leads to hostility and uh, it's unfortunate that that kind of thing can take place in, in a person's life that calls himself a follower of christ so just be careful for each of us. I, I just say this to us as a family. Be careful if you're in tension-filled relationships, if you're in tension-filled scenarios at work, at home, neighbors, whatever those kinds of things are, beware of that because it will splatter. It will end up splattering, and, and um, before you know it, it will affect innocent bystanders. It will do that very easily. So now the the good stuff, Um, where does this go? How does Jesus respond to the hostile environment that he's in? How does he deal with this? So I want us just to fix our eyes again on the author, but also the perfecter of our faith as he shows us how to handle hostility, which is the third thing here. Jesus handles hostility by this. What he does first and foremost is he simply calls out hostility for what it is, the absurdity, the madness of what it is. Verse 49, it says, Have you come out with, with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were some bandit? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching, and you didn't arrest me. Jesus just names the madness here what it is. Guys, he's basically saying, um, I'm in the temple day after day after day. You could have taken me at any point in time, but you didn't. We know why he didn't. They were too afraid of 
all of the people that would be upset because Jesus had a large following at this point. But basically, Jesus is saying, this is a little bit crazy. You come with this brute squad and, and the place that I come to pray. Um, but what Jesus does here, it's, it's like he takes a pin and he just, he just pricks like a balloon the dramatic hustle and bustle of this moment in, in the garden. And it kind of diffuses everything. You guys brought out clubs. You brought out swords um, to arrest an unarmed teacher. Um, a commentator said it like this. He, he said it's sort of like attacking an Iraqi camel caravan with a million-dollar cruise missile. That's how absurd and out of proportion it was. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying. Really? He just named the absurdity of it. But then Jesus, the second thing that we learn from him in his dealings with the hostile situation is something that many of us in here, I would say all of us, but many of us in here need to learn to do. And that's, that's this. Jesus placed himself entirely in God's hands. And he did it simply by, by looking to the word of God. He looking to the scriptures. He interpreted what he saw, he named it for what he was, and he just rested his case on God. Let the scriptures, let them be fulfilled. Let them be, he would not fight, this is key, he wouldn't fight, he's not going to argue, he wouldn't fall prey to, one that I fall prey to a lot, defensiveness, he doesn't get defensive, he would, he would simply let God take care of it. We saw an amazing example of this with Mary Shabo when she shared her testimony a few weeks ago. I'm going to give a snippet of it. If you would like, you just go to our website. You can get the whole 15 minutes. Just scroll until you see your pretty face. Click on it, and you'll be able to hear it. But, but one of the things that she said in that awesome testimony was that there was a time she was owed $42,000 by her ex-husband for back child support. And, and she knew that it would be tough to get most of that. But what she ended up doing was... She felt God calling her to, to let it go, to release that and to forgive and just to walk away from that. She called up the, the office of the people that are supposed to collect that. And what did they do? They said, no, no, we'll just put them on a payment plan. She's like, no, I want, the, I want it forgiven. And they're like, no, you really don't want it forgiven. We'll just, we'll just put a hold on it. And she says, no, God is telling me to let this go. And she let it go. And I still get goosebumps telling the story. She lets it go in that very next year. Their, their business was $42,000 above what they expected um, that following year. I mean, that, that is awesome. And that's what, that's, I mean, there's a lot of lessons in there. Go listen to Mary's testimony. She, she said it really well. But there's a picture there where she just placed it in God's hands. And, and I, I, I want us all to kind of get this. The sooner that we learn that we do not have to win every battle, nor do we have to be applauded all the time. The sooner something much greater than our personal happiness will happen. Something much greater than a win will happen. When we put it in God's hand, we find that we are given this perfect gift. It's called peace. It's called rest in the midst of conflict. When we put it into his hands rather than, rather than trying to win the fight or, or, or get our way. And I don't know about you, that is a very, very hard lesson to, to walk away with. That is a hard thing to learn because I want to be right. I want to win. I want to be applauded. I cannot lose. I don't deal with it very well. I don't deal with criticism very well. I, I want this. Um, it's my flesh that wants to lash out in retribution. I want to absorb the negativity in, in a defensive 
in a defensive way. I have a really hard time leaving hostility alone and letting God work it out. But, but this is why, this is why Jesus is our redeemer. This is why Jesus is worthy to be our savior. He shows us what trust in God looks like. And frankly, he's in a situation that is far greater than any situation that any one of us is ever going to find ourselves in. And he teaches us here this power of restraint. He is the author. He is the perfecter of our faith. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What? Scorning its, its shame. So as we talked about stress earlier, we said that stress, it strengthens and hostility helps us grow. But that's only if we approach it in a mindset that is biblical and a mindset that is spirit-led. We allow the Holy Spirit, we allow God to work in us and take away that hostility that we completely, you know, we can just name it for what it is. This is a, and I know for some of you and me, myself, we get ourselves in crazy situations. A lot of times we don't want to be in those situations. We just find ourselves in these crazy situations, crazy scenarios, crazy drama. And sometimes it'd just be good to step back and just say, this is just nuts. Um, God, this is yours. I'm stepping back from that. What does that look like? How do I step back from that? Christ shows us. He, he turns to God's word. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, this is a tough one. I don't know how well or how ready I am to hear this or you are to hear this, but it's so, it's so important. It's so important. And it, it reflects why. It reflects the big why Isaiah 53, 5 says that he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. Uh, I'm going to have the worship team come back up. We're going to close in a song that, that comes basically right out of this idea here. Um, now, stepping off, church is in a season where there's lots of activities more people, and with that creates more garbage. So we have, we have uh, increased our garbage pickup lately, and, and that's good because it's frustrating to go out and, especially now with all the bees and everything that are around the garbage can, to, to be able to put stuff in the garbage when it's full. Um, but it's a great picture. Um, there's, there's more of us, and that means there's more garbage. And... That's not just a physical truth, that's a spiritual truth as well. But the reality is that our lives are very much like that. Our lives are very much full of trash, oftentimes, full of garbage, stacked with a lot of uselessness. And we, we can spend too much time, we can spend too much energy, hopelessly, on fighting this hostility. But here, here's the deal. Um, I know a great Savior who who didn't have to pick up my trash. Um, he did not have to do that. He didn't deserve to deal with all of my debris, but he did that anyway. Amen? He did that anyway. Without complaint, he suffered on the cross for me. He suffered on the cross for you, dying for sins that he did not commit, suffering the worst of human hostility, trusting God completely. My Savior showed me, and he showed you, how that we can handle hostility and have it removed, not in part, but in the whole. If there's anybody in here that has never given their life to Christ, as we close out the service at the end of the song, I would love to pray with you. Uh, or if there's some garbage that you need to 
to confess and get out, then, then this is the time to do this. If you're in a growth group, this is going to be a fun discussion. You have questions on the back um, to talk about hostility, um, but uh, keep that in mind. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and um, it feels hot in here. I don't know if that's just the topic or if it's the temperature, but um, in any way, I pray that it wouldn't be a distraction from us, um, us dealing with this. I pray for those that are dealing with specifically hostile situations. Maybe they're not physically hostile, but they're emotionally and spiritually hostile. We know, we know, Father, that we have an enemy. We know that our battle is not fought with traditional means, uh, but it's one that goes, goes beyond the physical means. And, and we just ask for your spirit to intercede for us. Uh, we ask that we would put on the full armor of you and, uh, and fight a good fight. Um, for your for your glory uh, we pray that you would help us to call out hostility for what it is and the absurdity of it and that we would ultimately just trust you uh, with the situation i pray that we would not be ones that have to win but we would walk um, we would walk in a, in a place of peace and, and goodness um, and we pray this in jesus name amen